open then to Paul's letter of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. This morning we're going to be looking at verses 13 and 14 at the Holy Spirit's work in salvation. While you're turning there, let me just put a plug in for Sunday nights. Right now I'm in a series through the book of Daniel and tonight we're going to be looking in chapter 2 of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar's dream that Daniel is called to uh, interpret. And it's uh, interesting, if you're interested at all in end-time prophecy, uh, end-times prophecy, uh, you will want to be uh, here for this study. And I'm excited about the messages, particularly for tonight and the next two Sunday nights as Daniel Uh, reveals Nebuchadnezzar's dream and then uh, shares what that dream means as far as future world events. Peter Thomas Roth had been on the QVC network trying to sell his anti-aging skin products before, but he had little results. But then on January the 28th, 2013, um, Roth hit the jackpot. He made $2.2 million selling his skin product through QVC. And he also had a wait list. You say, well, what changed? Why did he all of a sudden do so well? When before, he had had little results, and now... He sold $2.2 million worth of his product. Well, a little sticker was put on the boxes of his product, and it made all the difference. It sealed the deal, you might say. The 128-year-old good housekeeping seal means business if you have a product to sell. Since 1909, the Good Housekeeping Organization has put their seal on an overestimated 5,000 different products. And when that seal is placed on the product, it means this product has been tried and it has been tested. It is the real deal. I thought about that. Today, we're talking about God's seal of approval that God puts on every single one of his children. The Holy Spirit of God is the believer's seal of approval. When one becomes a Christian, the Bible tells us that we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Friend, every true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ will have the seal of the Spirit of God on his or her life. Here in Ephesians chapter 1, in verses 4 through 14, each member of the Godhead's role in salvation is um, revealed to us. Now, we've already looked at the Father's part in salvation. God the Father selects us. We saw the Son's part in salvation last week. The Son saves us. 
Now today, in verses 13 and 14, I want us to see the Holy Spirit's part in salvation. The Holy Spirit of God seals us. So here's what I want you to take away from the message as we talk about the Spirit's seal on the believer and the Holy Spirit's work in salvation. The Holy Spirit's seal on the believer guarantees our salvation. The Holy Spirit's seal uh, on the believer's life guarantees his salvation. Well, let's look here at the Holy Spirit's part in the work of salvation. I want you to look at two important truths related to salvation. The first thing I want you to note in verse 13 is the sinner's path to salvation. How do we respond to the work of Christ in salvation? Basically, there are three steps that the believer must take, and they're all right here in verse 13. Look what Paul says here. In him, meaning Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, the first step in the path to salvation is you must hear the gospel. Look again, Paul says, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Friend, no one has ever become a Christian who did not first hear the word of God. That's why it's important that we preach and we teach the word of God. Now, you, you might have read it. You might have had it preached to you. You might have had it taught to you by your parents. Somebody may have witnessed to you and shared scripture with you, but salvation comes from hearing the word. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So the way I became a Christian was as a young boy growing up in a Christian home, I heard often the word of God taught by my parents in our home. We had what we called family altar every night, Monday through Friday, where we would gather together and we would read out of the Home Life magazine and we would read scriptures uh, together and we would pray together. I heard the word of God in my home. I also heard Dr. Chester Soar, who was a professor at the University of Mississippi, who came and was preaching a revival service at our church in Fayetteville. And I walked the aisle one night and gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ because of the preaching of Dr. Soar. Friends, somewhere you too, if you're a believer, heard the word of God. That was the first step in the process to salvation. Notice the second step on the path of salvation. Once you've heard the word of God, then you believe in Christ. We must not only hear the gospel, we must also respond to the gospel by placing our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Paul says, and you believed in him um, uh, as a result of hearing the gospel. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, to, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So our belief 
must be centered in the Lord Jesus Christ who is preached or taught. Paul never lets us forget that our faith must be that salvation is centered in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the first 14 verses of Ephesians chapter 1, the name of Jesus is referred to 15 times. Paul is constantly bringing Christ before us because God wants to drive home to us the great fact that we cannot experience blessing in our lives apart from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our belief will transform our way of thinking. It will change our way of speaking. It will change the way we act. It will change our desires, our interests, our friends, our whole way of life. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things are becoming new. The Christian is one who centers his every hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he can sing, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. We must put our faith and trust and our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. A sinner's third step on the path to salvation, he must hear the word, he must believe in Christ, and then thirdly, receive the Holy Spirit. Now Paul says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Friend, the work of the Holy Spirit is essential to salvation. No one can believe in Christ apart from the Holy Spirit. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. By nature, our hearts are shut, closed to the gospel. It is the Holy Spirit who makes us alive in Christ, who makes us sensitive to the Word to be open to receiving the word and believing the word and putting our faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to believe. I read about a 12-year-old boy who had been saved at a revival. His friends were asking him what had happened, how it all came about. He said, one boy's friend said, did you see it? have a vision? Did you see a vision? Um, another friend said, did you hear God speak? And the boy answered simply to both of his friends' questions, no. And then he tried to explain what happened. They said, well, how were you saved then? And he said, well, it's like when you catch a fish. You can't see the fish, and you can't hear the fish, but if you're a good fisherman, and you've got your pole in, out, and that line down in the water, you feel that fish biting on your line. And he says, that feel of that fish tugging on that line is the same thing that happens in your heart. There's a tugging 
the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart. Friend, listen, apart from the Holy Spirit, you and I would remain dead in our trespasses and sins. But when the Holy Spirit breathes upon the word that is preached, the word that is taught, the word that is witnessed, he enables us to understand and therefore we believe it. Now, that's the sinner's path to salvation. We hear the gospel, we believe in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. There's a second truth in this passage that has to do with that third step. And here we see what it means to receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to look at the Holy Spirit's part in salvation. In verse, the latter part of verse 13 and verse 14, Paul says, You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So when a person believes in Christ, he is sealed by the Holy Spirit. But what does that mean exactly? What does it mean to be sealed by the Holy Spirit? Now, there are three meanings to the Spirit's sealing of the believer. First of all, the Holy Spirit is our seal of authenticity. The mark of the Holy Spirit is a mark of the real thing. It, say, it says, this is genuine. For instance... When you go to the produce section of the food line or Harris Teeter, wherever you buy groceries, and you're looking for Chiquita bananas, you look for bananas with that little blue seal on it to indicate that's the brand you're looking for. Or if you're looking for sun-kissed oranges, you look for oranges with the sun-kissed seal. My wife and I were at Walmart last night, and she was looking for some steaks to buy, and so she was looking for the seal with the USDA choice on it. And they were good, too. Now, those are seals, labels, indicating that that product is the real thing. However, these seals are external. But the Christian seal is not external. It's internal. God puts his seal in our hearts. Now, Paul prayed for the Ephesians, look in chapter 3, verse 16, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. The Holy Spirit, in other words, dwells in the believer. Paul affirms this in several ways in Romans chapter 8. Paul says in Romans, 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 9, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him and in verse 16 he says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God but how can you tell if a person is sealed by the Holy Spirit if it's internal how can you tell there's no stamp on the believer's forehead that says genuine Christian you can't just walk around and look and see where the sticker is that says Christian or the label. So how can we know if our faith is authentic? You watch what squeezes out when you get pressed. When you're under pressure, 
when you're faced with temptation, whatever comes out is what you are made of. Friend, that's how you can tell whether a person is an authentic Christian or not. For example, if I gave you a tube of something and then there was a top on it and I said, here, brush your teeth, but it had no label on it. It was just a plain white tube with no writing on it to indicate that it was toothpaste. You would probably hesitate because you would think, well, this could be some kind of cream or ointment. I'm not going to brush my teeth with this. You would want to know if it was really toothpaste. So what would you do? You would squeeze the tube to make sure that what comes out is what I told you was in there, toothpaste. The same thing is true in the Christian life. Paul reminds us of this truth in Galatians chapter 5. Take your Bible and turn over to Galatians chapter 5. And look in verse 19. <clears throat> Paul says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And then Paul says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then look what he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Friend, when the pressures and the temptations of life squeeze you, what comes out reveals whether your faith is genuine or not. A second meaning related to the Spirit's saving of believers, not only is the Holy Spirit our seal of authenticity, but he's also our seal of ownership. Now, in Bible times, seals were used more than signatures. This is undoubtedly a reference to the ancient practice of sealing letters or other official documents with <coughs> sealing wax and then impressing that wax with a signet ring the seal on the letter would make it clear that that letter belonged to the person who had sealed it with their ring. For example, in Jeremiah 32, we read where Jeremiah, the prophet, goes out, is instructed by the Lord to go out and buy a field. And when Jeremiah buys that field, the scripture tells us he put his seal on a title deed, which is like signing the document. And it says, I own this property. It's a sign of ownership. Now, the same is true with branding cattle. <clears throat> I know when we lived up in West Texas, it was interesting. One of the things I got to experience when I lived up in uh, Panhandle, Texas, was um, seeing the uh, ranchers up there as they branded their sheep and their cattle. And um, they would take and they would clip the ear. 
and they would cut the ear, one of the ears on their cattle, and then uh, they would uh, brand that cattle with a certain symbol or letters to indicate they own it. A lot of times nowadays they'll tag an ear to indicate that that cattle belong that cattle uh, belongs to certain owner. Well, the same thing is true. The Bible says the same thing about the Christian. Paul put it this way in Galatians chapter 6, verse 17. I bear on my body, Paul says, the marks of the Lord Jesus. And the seal of the Holy Spirit makes it clear. Life that is sealed by the Holy Spirit belongs to God. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, do you not know? that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. And then Paul says, you're not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, again, he says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the Holy Spirit is a seal of ownership the holy spirit seals us to show that we are no longer we no longer belong to ourselves but we belong to god lastly we see in relation to the spirit sealing that he is our seal of security now this is the meaning i like the most follow with me here look what he says in the first part of verse 14 he says who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. I want to just say, here we come face to face with the doctrine of the security of the believer. If you've ever doubted your salvation, if you've ever thought you could lose your salvation, here is God's word to affirm that the child of God can never lose their salvation. Some, sometimes we call this the per- perseverance of the saints, or once saved, always saved. And I might add, none of those phrases appear in the Bible exactly like that. But the thought teaches, the, the Bible teaches the doctrine, the security of the believer. Um, it's one thing to be saved. That's a blessing. It's a double blessing to be saved and to know it. But it's a triple blessing to be saved, to know you are saved, and to know you can never, ever lose your salvation. And that's what Paul wants us to understand here. But sadly, there are some believers in the church today who do not believe that we are eternally secure in Jesus. But the truth is, if you've ever truly been born again... You will never become anything other than a child of God. You are His forever. The believer is sealed, protected by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Friend, our inheritance which awaits us in heaven is guaranteed. It is guaranteed. It is safe. It is secure. 
That word inheritance in Greek uh, has two different meanings. It originally referred to a down payment or earnest money to secure a purchase. This is what Paul says God has done for us. It is not we who acquire God, but it is he who acquires us. God has made the down payment on our lives through the Holy Spirit to guarantee that we have his inheritance and his blessing waiting for us in heaven. And then it can also refer to an engagement ring. We're engaged, as it were, to the Lord Jesus Christ. One day when Jesus comes back and we go to heaven, the book of Revelation tells us, uh, talks about the marriage feast of the Lamb. The church, the bride of Christ, is going to be united with the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, right now the Holy Spirit is our engagement ring. The promise is that one day, when this world is over and we are taken to heaven, taken to glory, we will be united forever with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is our guarantee that that will happen. You say, well, okay, Rick, I, that makes sense to me. But what happens when a sinner or when a Christian sins? In Ephesians 4, turn over to chapter 4, and look in verse 30. Paul writes, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, look at this, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So if you could lose your salvation, this is what would happen. You would sin and the Holy Spirit would leave you. But the Bible does not say that will happen. The Bible says when you and I sin as a believer, we grieve the Holy Spirit, we break the heart of God, but He is still there. He indwells us. He is hurt. He is grieved. He is sorrowful over our sin, but He does not leave you. Why? Because he has sealed us for the day of redemption. For that day when we shall meet our Father face to face. Friend, the Holy Spirit has said, you're the real thing. You're the real deal. You are genuine. And your salvation is secure. God the Father has called you. God the Son has saved you. And God the Holy Spirit has sealed you so that you don't have any reason to doubt that you're a child of God. And that one day you and I will stand before the Father and before the Son and we will bow in humble adoration and praise. Paul closes out to the praise of his glory. Friend, if you want to know why we come every Sunday to this place for corporate worship, if you want to know why you ought to have that time at home alone in the Word and in prayer by yourself, just you and God, this is it right here. God the Father called you. 
God the Son saved you. God the Holy Spirit has sealed you. And it is all by grace. All by grace. Dr. D.L. Moody, the famed American pastor and evangelist, was scheduled to launch an evangelistic crusade in England on one occasion. And hearing of Mr. Moody's plan, an elderly English pastor complained to a younger colleague, why do we need Mr. Moody to come here and preach to us? He's an uneducated farmer and shoe clerk, former shoe clerk, and, and he, he's an American at that. Why do we need Moody to come and to preach to us? Does he fancy that he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? To which the young colleague said to his older, to the older pastor, no, sir. The Holy, he doesn't fancy that he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. However, it's obvious the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on him. Here's my question this morning. Does the Holy Spirit have a monopoly on your life? You see, the more we grow in our walk with the Lord, the more we grow in our faith, the more we get into the Word and we study and we apply the Word and we meditate upon it, the more we spend time in sweet fellowship with the Father and with the Son and with other believers and we grow and mature in our faith, the more we become aware of the truth. That we are God's child. We've been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And nothing, nothing whatsoever can take that from us. Ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand together.